I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State. Even there, you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, January 3rd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, what will state legislators do for the thousands of Mississippians receiving Medicaid? We've got some some challenges from a a funding standpoint. We probably have a a deficit that we have to deal with in in Medicaid program, but we'll certainly look at that and and see what things need need to come forward because of that. Then find out how the freezing cold temperatures are affecting the state's homeless population. And after a health minute, is weight loss on the top of your New Year's resolutions list? Find out how to be or how to achieve better health in 2018. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's Republican leadership is talking about their top priorities as the 2018 legislative session begins. Republican House Speaker Philip Gunn has several issues on his list. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier leaders are sticking to their stated goals. We have uh, said all along we want to work on a a rewrite of the education funding formula. I think there's a better way of doing it. I think we can find a more reliable, predictable stream of revenue. We also want to continue our focus on roads and bridges. We have said all along we think that's a priority of government, and we are going to continue our focus there. And then, of course, the Medicaid issue is is up for reconsideration this year, and that's an issue we're going to have to tackle. So those three things are primarily going to be our focus this year. Well, there will be less money to spend. Uh, Revenues have dropped some, and um, I assume, I don't know, you're going to put aside that 2%? Yes, our, our goal has always been to live within our means. We're not going to spend more money than we, we have. We think the 2% set aside is an important part of being conservative and being responsible. We do plan to make that our goal. Now, as you know, we're three months away from finalizing any details on the budget. I think our revenues are kind of uh, flat, and that's kind of the way we have, cons- we have budgeted. Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves agrees on the key issue of reauthorizing Medicaid. The Medicaid technical amendment bill allows lawmakers to make changes in how the program operates, including how much medical providers are reimbursed. He says the bill will generate debate. Well, I think that certainly the the Medicaid tech bill is always a challenge. Uh, There are different 
members within the Senate that have different views. There are different members in the House that have different views. And so uh, the tech bill, because of the fact that it's a, literally a six or seven billion dollar agency. That's about how much money will flow through there. Uh, There's tons of providers that have ideas on how uh, they believe the monies ought to be spent. So there's a lot of moving parts in the Medicaid tech bill. And so while I wouldn't call it necessarily a fight, there will certainly be a lot of conversation, a lot of discussion surrounding that issue. More than 750,000 Mississippians receive services through the Medicaid program. Another point of speculation for the 2018 session is a state lottery. Both Lieutenant Governor Reeves and House Speaker Gunn say they're against it. Speaker Gunn says it will continue to be analyzed. Well, I don't know. I've, I've been very consistent in my opposition to the lottery. I don't think it's sound public policy. I don't think it's good economics. I have heard others voice that same concern. We're continuing to study it, continue to look at it, trying to gather information to make solid decisions. So that's kind of where we are on that. Democratic Representative Alice Clark of Jackson tells our Desiree Frazier her constituents still want a state lottery. I am hoping that this is the year that we will do what our constituents have been asking us to do for so many years and that we will save our constituents some money. They won't have to run across the river, across the bridge, and give their money to other states, other children. And I'm hoping that we would just do what our constituents want us to do. And I'm hoping that my colleagues will ask their constituents what they want them to do. And if they hear the same thing I've been hearing, this will be the year. There has been talk that having a lottery would impact the poor because it's uh, low-income folks that are more likely to spend money on a lottery. Low-income people would spend some money, but have you looked at what the consumers take from our poor people? But it's not just poor people that we're talking about, what we're actually talking about is that we want to do something for our people rather than doing something for Tennessee and Louisiana and the other states that we are currently doing. Alice Clark, Hines County Representative, thank you. Thank you, Don. Coming up, find out how the freezing cold temperatures are affecting the state's homeless population. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. Live healthy, live blue. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Shelters across the state are making adjustments to house more homeless people from the coldest air this season. The shelter openings are typical when the temperatures fall into the mid-30s and below. It's the record-breaking temperatures that are putting many vulnerable Mississippians at risk. According to advocates with Mississippi United to End Homelessness, nearly a dozen cold-weather shelters are open. Jennifer Stanley is Director of Development at the Salvation Army in Jackson. She tells us what services they've been providing to Mississippians in need. 
our shelter has, is currently staying open 24 hours a day. We are providing breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, we are providing coats, blankets, socks, just the immediate need to help anyone that is um, stuck out in the cold during this season. How many people have showed up for shelter? Right now, our numbers are 70 in our shelter, with 15 of these are only our cold weather intakes. Now, we just started um, last week opening our shelter to, um, you know, emergency needs. And so uh, our influx is increasing by the day. So we're, we're actually serving the breakfast, lunch, and dinner over the next several days. We're going to keep it open as long as needed, as long as this extreme winter front, you know, is hanging around. When you provide shelter, is it also overnight accommodations or is it a place to come in during the day to warm up? They can come in during the day to warm up. Um, it is a shelter uh, at night. We do pull out our cots if our, all of our rooms are full. Now, we do house four people per room, but our cots are open. We are having to utilize them right now. With 15 of those, are having to utilize the cots because of our rooms being so full. But um, we, we will not turn anyone away. Uh, it doesn't matter what time of the day. They can come to Presto Lane and come down to the Center of Hope, knock on the door, and someone will let them in. Uh, we're, we're not in a place to be able to turn someone away um, during this extreme weather. How are you getting these items to give away? Are they donations? Yes, we do rely on the community when it comes to things like this to be able to have blankets. Now, we do have to purchase them. These are cold weather blankets. They're called our disaster blankets, and they're really made for temperatures like we're experiencing right now. Uh, if you came here just to see one of these blankets, you would really be able to go walk outside and feel what type of, of blanket th this is. It's incredible the way it has it's crafted. But any other blankets, we would love to take off someone's hands, um, sleeping bags, things like that, if they want to go out and buy socks. We really depend on the community when it comes to having to provide for the homeless. You know, often it's the elderly that run into trouble in these cold temperatures. You know, they might live somewhere where there's not enough heat. They don't realize perhaps that they're getting too cold. Do you have any kind of program or, or outreach to those people in particular? We haven't seen any of the seniors coming through our program right now when it comes to uh, having to go out and provide for them. If they are in need, they can always come here, pick up the phone, and call us at 601-982-4881, and we could send someone out. We do have social workers that go to seniors' homes or even to um, single parents' homes that are, are, you know, are younger. Whatever we need to do, uh, we will be more than happy to be the hands and feet of Jesus during this time, because that's what we are called to do. At what threshold do you open the shelter and provide all these meals because it's so cold? 32 degrees. Now, our shelter is open seven days a week, 365 days a year. You know, during normal times, these are people that are, are choosing to live at the Salvation Army and go out and work. So we are closed during the day, um, during normal temperatures that is that are above around 35 degrees. And they'll go out to their job. You know, our people that are here today, they, they got up and went to the work like normal, and then they'll come back. But um, just during these extreme temperatures, whether it's too hot or too cold, we are only open 24 hours a day. Jennifer Stanley is the Director of Development at the Salvation Army in Jackson. Jennifer, thank you so much. You're welcome. Dr. Alan Jones is the Chair of Emergency Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood cold temperatures can affect the body for many Mississippians exposed to the weather. Cold temperature can have several effects on the body. Exposure to the cold can cause injuries such as 
a frost nip or frost bite. Frost nip is a less extreme form of frost bite, which is when the skin and tissue under the skin actually freezes because uh, the temperature um, in the environment is below freezing. And it, it often looks pale. Um, the, the skin that freezes looks pale or blue and becomes numb. Uh, so oftentimes victims don't really know that they have suffered frostbite. Um, and uh, when the tissue freezes, it, it uh, no longer gets the appropriate nutrient supply and, and subsequently dies. And areas such as the fingertips and uh, nose, ears, um, cheeks, chin, toes, those are the most vulnerable areas uh, for frostbite. Um, other in things that can occur with extremely cold temperatures uh, include um, problems with uh, your eyes if they're exposed particularly to high winds in, in very cold weather. Um, uh, it can cause freezing of the tissues in the eyes and can cause problems with uh, pain and vision changes. Um, probably most concerning is um, is when a person actually becomes hypothermic, uh, and hypothermia occurs when uh, basically when your body loses heat faster than it can make. Um, and uh, people who are particularly vulnerable to that are the very, very young and the very, very old. Um, people who uh, are um, not acclimatized to being in outdoor conditions with real cold temperatures, um, not being dressed properly, and of course uh, drinking alcohol while being out in cold temperatures uh, because you have a diminished sense of normality. Um, so typically the first uh, symptom in hypothermia is shivering. Uh, you shiver, that's your body's way of trying to produce heat. Uh, eventually the shivering will stop and patients will become um, slow, have uh, confusion, um, look pale or blue, and they can quickly become unconscious, and you know eventually the heart can stop and they can die if it's not remedied. So anybody who's say homeless or exposed to cold temperatures for a long amount of time without the appropriate uh, amount of clothing or protection are, are vulnerable to any of these effects. Is there a time limit to how quickly someone can be affected by these temperatures? Every person is different. It, it depends on the temperature outside. It, it depends on the person's underlying, you know, conditions, uh, medical conditions, age. But generally, for the temperatures we've been seeing in Mississippi, say in the around the mid-teens, um, if you appropriately layer, you know, going for a, a walk with the dog around the block or going from your house to your car or for your car to a shopping mall or something like that is not going to cause problems. Generally, people will feel uncomfortable before they begin to have any effects of um, cold exposure. That being said, in the, in the temperatures that are being seen in the north right now, in the minus uh, degree temperatures, uh, those effects can happen very, very quickly. Uh, and you really have to uh, be prepared and have the appropriate clothing uh, and layers in order to avoid exposure injury. Thank you so much, Dr. Jones. I really appreciate you. Sure, no problem. Thank you. 
UMMC's Chair of Emergency Medicine, Dr. Alan Jones, with our Ashley Norwood. Forecasters expect overnight frigid temperatures to extend into the weekend. Coming up, is weight loss on the top of your New Year's resolutions list? Find out how to be more healthy in 2018. Dr. Rick and Dr. Josie weigh in. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. This time of year, everybody's thinking about and talking about and sometimes actually having New Year's resolutions. They're usually disappointing because folks don't follow through. Well, here's Dr. Rick's ideas about how to come up with some resolutions that will be helpful. Number one, make health resolutions that are reasonable. Don't choose goals that are impossible to achieve. For instance, if you want to lose weight, don't try to lose more than one pound per week because we know that this does not work. Secondly, write your resolutions down. It's very important to actually articulate them, look at them, and read them where you'll know what they are to make the next suggestion number three possible. That is, tell someone that you have resolutions. That gives you an opportunity to have some coaching from a friend or a loved one and can be very helpful in in making sure you follow through. And the final one is spend time with other folks who also have made resolutions to help them with their resolutions. People who keep resolutions are usually in the company of other people who are trying to do the same. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. MPB's At Issue has the 2018 legislative session covered from all angles. You'll hear each week from Mississippi's most influential elected leaders at the state capitol. MPB's political analyst, Democrat Brandon Jones and Republican Austin Barber, provide insight on the critical issues facing the state and how these issues impact you. Join host Wilson Stribling for Mississippi's only statewide television news program, At Issue, starting Friday, January 5th at 7.30 p.m. on MPB TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Health-related New Year's resolutions are likely to be at the top of many lists, especially in Mississippi, where health outcomes are often poor. According to the 2017 State of Obesity Report, the state has the second-highest adult obesity rate in the nation, with large numbers of adults diagnosed with diabetes, cancer, and heart disease. Weight loss is a top resolution for many. Josie Bidwell is Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She says, she or she tells MPB's Ezra Wall, she wants Mississippians to make measurable health goals this year, starting with nutrition. Let's pick a spot to start working. When you say, I'm going to turn my life around, that's a big old job. And people tend to bite off more than they can chew, you know, literally and figuratively. And we want folks to make reasonable, achievable goals. Because when you then achieve that goal, it makes you feel good. And you're like, yeah, I can do this. I can I can keep going with this. So, you know, pick an area that you want to work at. Is it smoking? 
Is it your diet? Is it how active you want to be? And work on that instead of just this kind of shotgun blast into, I'm going to turn my health around this year. Let's say that I want to lose 10 or 500 pounds, and I want to do this through primarily through diet because you can't exercise a bad diet. You are correct. What do I need to monitor, change? Is there a particular diet that works? So the first thing is to take the word diet and throw it out the window. Because when we say we're going to start a diet, that implies a start date and a finish date. So making a change to your nutrition is a lifelong process. So we really dislike the word diet because people tend to say, oh, well, I messed up today and I had pizza. So I've blown my diet. Now I'm going to have a hamburger for dinner and some ice cream. Well, to recuperate. Right. You, know, you, you know, have you to gotta, get over the emotional the trauma. Yeah, you got to do that. So throw that word diet out of the window and just say, I'm going to make a healthy lifestyle change. And it really is a little bit more freeing when you say I'm going to make a lifestyle change because that gives you permission to make boo-boos every now and then and have a piece of pizza. But whether you call it a diet or a lifestyle change or whatever, when everybody envisions that, they're thinking, but I don't want to eat salad every day forever. Me either. My number one step for making a lifestyle change is changing the size plate that we eat off of. So calories do matter. You know, we used to think calories in, calories out. Now we know that's not necessarily the thing, that it's the quality of the calories that we're eating as well, but calories do count. So portion control is our greatest friend in trying to clean up our diet and lose weight. So change the size plate you're eating. Move from that gigantic plate that we normally eat off of down to a 7-inch plate, which is the middle plate in the dish set. That's the best way to go ahead and have built-in portion control. You just fill that plate up with the different food groups. Is there something that we're saying absolutely not, absolutely no, or, you know, absolutely no more, not more often than once a week or something like that? Well, you know, when we talk about added things to food, we want to limit them as much as possible. So added fats and added sugars and added salts are things that we don't necessarily need. So as much as we can keep a food in its natural state without a ton of things on top of it, the better it will be. So if we're going to use a little bit of olive oil to cook with, that's fine, but we don't need to top our vegetables with a big heaping scoop of butter or some cheese on top of that. That's just too much. And so you talked about protein and vegetables and fruit. So there's really six food groups out there. So we've got protein, we've got carbohydrate, we've got fruit, we've got veg, we've got dairy, and we've got fat. So when we're building a healthy plate, think about at breakfast time, you want to shoot for between three and four of those food groups at breakfast time. You don't have to eat every food group at every meal, but three to four is going to give you a nice balanced breakfast. At your main meals, like lunch and dinner, shoot for four to six of those food groups to get you a balanced plate. Because people do get frustrated with, I'm going to eat a salad every day because it doesn't fill you up and it's not supposed to. You've got to add in things that promote what we call satiety, which is feeling full. So things with fiber in them help you feel fuller for longer. Things with a little bit of fat in them help you feel fuller for longer. Now, that doesn't mean deep fried food. That means healthy fats like nuts. If you're 
looking at a salad, approach it like a plate and try and put four food groups on there. So you've got your greens, which I would say pick something that's darker, green vegetables, so spinach, kale, uh, something like that instead of just an iceberg lettuce. And then let's say what kind of protein can I add on top? Well, if you're a meat eater, you can do uh, grilled chicken or grilled shrimp or even a little piece of steak on top of there would be fine. If you're not a meat eater, if you're a vegetarian, then just like you mentioned, black beans, chickpeas, those are all good um, varieties. Then we got to think about some fat. So you mentioned avocado. That would be a perfect option on there. I actually will put my avocado in a blender with some lime juice and blend it up, and that will become my dressing for my salad there. And then load up the veggies. So any other kind of veggies you want, onions, peppers, mushrooms, carrots, throw it all in there, and that's going to make you fuller for longer, not the iceberg lettuce drowning in ranch dressing with the crouton garnish. Dr. Josie Bidwell has been our guest this morning, and she is Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She also is the host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit right here on MPB Think Radio every Monday at 11 o'clock. Josie, Happy New Year, and have have a great 2018. I look forward to it. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10, it's Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC.